0: How much do you know about pregnancy and alcohol? The reality may surprise you. Alcohol exposure while in the womb may cause fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or FASD in unborn children. It is more common than many people realise. It may lead to lifelong physical and developmental impairments such as problems with memory, attention, cause and effect reasoning and difficulties in adapting situations. For such an impactful disorder, it is rarely spoken about in the popular media. This podcast will take you behind the scenes to chat with the people who understand FASD and find out about this surprising reality. Welcome, welcome everyone, I'm glad to see you tuning in to our little podcast, uh, my name is Kurt Lewis, your friendly neighbourhood podcaster slash village idiot slash interview of this episode for today. <laughs> we have a special episode for you today, I'm sitting down here with Judy Shea and Dr. Heidi Webster sitting in the background kind of thing and we're just going to have a chat about her her grandson yes, and just talk about her journey when it came to FASD. Have you ever been on a podcast before?
1: Not this side of it, no.
0: You, you listen to podcasts? Yes, I do. <laughs> I hope this is this will live up to your expectations.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it will.
0: So I guess I'll just launch into the first question. Yes. Then, if that's okay. How and when did you first hear about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder?
1: Probably when I was with Dr. Heidi back up here in, in Queensland. Riley, I'm not too sure whether when he was born that they used FASD as a diagnosis for him. I can't remember back that far. But I I knew about Riley being born. I was there on the second day that he was born and then negotiated because my daughter had a high mental health and things that they were going to take him away from her. And so I said, no, there's no need for him to go into foster care or any sort of care. So he came with me. So um, I'm an Aboriginal woman, I'm from Stolen Generation. So I very quickly sort of stepped into that and said, look, we can have, you know, a kinship arrangement, you know, with Riley, because there was no need for him to go into that, you know, that other foster care. Not that foster carers are not great, but there's family here for him to come to. So that was a really important journey for me. So I knew that he was premie, I had two pr- premature pregnancies. And I said, look, I know how to look after a preppy baby. So they had confidence that I could, you know, do it. So I had it all set up that when he came back to me, that there was a paediatrician in place, you know, my work. I was going to take long service leave and all of those things. So it was all about Riley, you know, and his sort of new journey from there.
0: Wow, not many not many people would open their life like that to someone.
1: Oh, well, he's my grandson, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, being from the stolen generation, you know, he's my blood. So, not knowing—I mean, I, I did know from there, but I didn't find out my family till I was forty-nine. But when you don't know who your family is, you know, you just in this situation, you go. Well, there's no other. There's no other way. So it's not a big thing. Well, you know, it's yeah. very beautiful. if I'm I'm
0: yeah. um, sorry, I've been feeling a bit sad. It's not sad, but you know, just you know, happy. You know that. Yeah. Sorry, guys, that's <laughs> very unprofessional of me, guys. Uh, it was somewhat beautiful. Um, Thank you. but. So when did you first know that um, Riley had FASD?
1: Um, As I say, I don't believe that it was actually called FASD when I was in Victoria, so when I came back up to Queensland when Riley was nearly two, I think it was two years of age or something and came under um, Dr Heidi and her unit there and that's where we started to investigate, you know, what it was. So fortunately, his mum came back up as well so dr hoddy was able to sort of talk to her and then the diagnosis of fast so i'd never heard about it before not that i go looking for medical mm. you know sort of names and things like that so i'd never heard of it before so in learning how to sort of you know look look after it, like i had no problems looking after a baby um even though you know i'm his nana and i'm a lot older like you've I have to relearn some things about, you know, children. My oldest daughter's what thirty-six or whatever, so it's a big difference there. Coming under and sort of understanding about what the baby knows or doesn't know. So before this time, Riley had a tongue tie at, at birth.
0: Just just for audience and for my yeah. benefit, what is a tongue tie
1: exactly?
2: Doctor Heidi? Uh, it's where underneath the tongue there's a piece of thin tissue that tethers the tongue to the bottom of the jaw. Inside and so you can't protrude the tra- the tongue fully, and mm. uh, it's been much more diagnosed
1: yes. in recent times. Yes.
2: And some babies have their that little piece of tissue snipped so mm. that it releases the tongue, so mm. that they
1: can feed and learn to speak properly. Mm. So that was you know snipped at at birth, but when he was starting to talk and, and learning sounds, and that we wrote a speech, we were going to a speech pathologist, and. So between him not hearing and in not being able to use his tongue, there was just things going on, sort of going, you know, we really need to look more at what this is. So, And
2: we actually felt it wasn't related to his tongue tie because he had had that mm-hmm. snipped And it's only very, very rare cases that are severe where it actually does affect speech development. Yeah. And it was our feeling that there was something going on more in his brain when our team of developmental therapists looked at Riley mm-hmm. and felt it was higher up than in his mouth or with his tongue yes. and we started looking more deeply as to what might be going on with his processing
1: yes. that was affecting his development Yes, and we had Dr McIntosh the ear, nose and throat specialist so he looked at his ears and put grommets in his ears he took his adenoids out and then did the tongue tie as well so that change even when he, with his hearing because they diagnosed that, he, that when they did the hearing tests, the inner ear was fine but the outer ear wasn't so when he did that surgery all of a sudden the difference even when he woke up from surgery was just amazing he was putting his hands over his ears and, but what does sometimes happen with that and he's getting a lot better at it he finds that because the brain doesn't turn down the volume or his brain didn't turn down the volume so when he went into, like, assembly or something like that, and he walked into all of the noise, he, he couldn't handle all the noise. So what they started to do when he was in prep had think, you know, how would he do that, would he sit to the side? But then he thought, well, I'm not with my peers, I'm different, so you don't want a child to, you know, feel different than other children. So what they did, because he is an avid reader, they sat him with a, a book. So he just read until the auditorium filled, and then he was right wow. from there. So it's working around those things, you know, in situ about what happens or what him saying, you know, it is discomfort and things like that. But going with the team and, you know, even the OT and, you know, sitting and you know how how do you eat and mm. things like that was just an amazing journey because you just as a as a parent you don't know you do the best you can, but. in in, you know the 2000s we've got amazing you know medicine and things like that around and and knowledge that and this is why you know I think these podcasts are really important to share with people and say these things are available you know everything's it's not hidden anymore so you know this is what I'm so excited about you know I'm, I'm really sad that he has FASD but I'm excited that we do have you know like Dr Heidi and we have you know FASD Australia but all of this knowledge and that that we, as parents can link into and use in our everyday lives
0: that it just makes the world having all that knowledge at your at your fingertips
1: yes yes because what do you do like you know i would sort of go well, you know with riley with the you know assembly i would say look you got to you know put headphones on well he felt different he didn't want to be in that so it sets up this you know i'm different when you don't have to be i'm different so it's how, how we work around that
0: I imagine just being able to deal, having the knowledge to deal with just this everyday stuff. Like you don't know yeah. what you, which you don't know until you know. It.
1: That's right. And you don't know what you don't know. And I think it's not, it's not only the knowledge. I mean, I was seeking knowledge because that's what I do, but it was having that support and knowing that you can go and ask a question or is this normal? And even now, like Riley's now nine, being able to, with things that are you know happening in his life, you know, is it because he's a nine-year-old boy you know is it FASD or is it you know what is it these behaviors you know so say if they you know are naughty or he has because he has a um, um a fight you know, have flight and fight yeah or he has a fight mechanism rather than a flight so in in that how do we work around that how do we give him the tools that if he is upset about something or you know, he used to have a flight but now, as an older boy, he has that sort of fight. And I think you know that's a—I know that's a boy thing. Yeah. You know that's sort of coming into you know sort of where you are, mm. you're with your peers and mm. things like that. That's another thing that you sort of look around with that. So how are you going to get your tools and that and understanding for him? How does he do that? So, and the great thing is, as he gets older, it's good and sad. He understands it for himself more that he understood says, well, you know, what should I have done or I know that I should have done that or I... You know, so he's more conscious of the decisions that he needs to make with it, which is really good. So that's just a normal process for him now.
2: Oh, okay. good.
1: Yeah, so he has a list of things that he does of a morning when he gets up and some days, you know, he doesn't remember. Some days he, he just can't do it because he's a, not a morning person. So working around that he's not a morning, he said, oh... It was yesterday. He said, Oh, I said, I wish I could work at night and then sleep during the day because I like it better at night time because I'm better at doing things. So he had his, you know, body clock, you know, Mm. sort of organiser, so we can't do that. So we worked around. But he's always sort of questioning, you know, these things.
0: Were there any negative impacts on being diagnosed with FASD?
1: Look, it probably started with me saying that I would have Riley. Mm. A lot of my friends didn't understand it. And. I think that different journey that you take that was sort of negative. The other negative thing, I suppose for me, is being like a, a nana mother. Even at playgroups or things like that, you know, the you weren't asked to go on the power walks with the gym girls or things like that. So that sort of socialisation thing, you know, didn't happen. So it's not a huge negative, but yeah. it is a. It could be isolating for some people. Yeah. And also being, I got really, really tired of thinking, I've got to explain that Riley has FASD. Because people would sort of go, oh, you know, why this or why that? or, And I think that explaining it is very, very wearing. So you either... And for me, it was sort of like, I have to justify that he's OK in some areas or that there isn't a deficit, or even birthdays. Like, I would say, look, I need to come, you know, for the birthdays. And the mother would sort of go, well, why? And I'd say, look, I just need to control it. Because A... You know he shouldn't have sugar <laughs> but even the playing things because he's very much and this comes from you know my family side we come from a sports background we're very very competitive so he's got that competitive thing as well so if you're playing even you know pinning the tail on the donkey or hitting those you know what are those birthday pinatas, pinatas. <laughs>
0: How often do you have to explain it to people? It just become so frustrating sometimes.
1: Oh, absolutely. And sometimes I, I feel, look, am I over-explaining it? Look, it's like a few weeks ago, he takes a dog for a walk of a morning and we live near the beach. One day, it was on a Saturday, he said, I'll go and take the dog for a walk. I said, that's great. And he didn't come back and I was doing things. I thought, oh, gee, he's not back. So I looked down the road and he couldn't see him. And so I jumped in the car and went down, you know, having a look. And I parked. And anyway, he's coming back up along the beach and he's there with this big smile and going, oh, I'm so <laughs> pleased you got the car because I was going to come home and get some money so I can buy you a coffee and, I, you know, hot chocolate. And But he'd been all the way down to the surf club and, and down there and people sort of said, oh, where's your mum? And he'd gone, oh, she's a no. But he didn't think of anything else than... Um, you know it's a great day I'll walk walk to the surf club so all the things that we've talked about of you know where you walk to that's gone because he's enjoying it you know he knows this is his beach he knows where to go so you can't tell him off for that or or whatever because that's his world I mean is he in danger well he could be but do you talk I mean we talk about stranger danger school talks about that but how do you, if there's something that's enjoyable and is he's is, is doing, you sort of go, really? Gee, I'm pleased I came with the money. Let's go back down. You know, so that's the way, you know, you, you sort of do it. So there's things like that. Whereas there was a teacher there, and when I sort of saw her, she said, oh, you know, Riley was down there. And I said, well, you know, I didn't know. But
2: you are trying to foster his independence. Absolutely. And some, some more grown-up skills. Yeah. Yes. So with the corner shop, for example. Yes, you were telling us about that.
1: Yes. So with the, um, going to the corner shop, he, we have a little local shop that we go to, and he, oh, for a couple of years now, he goes in, Oh, he, especially when you're learning money and things like that, I thought, we he's got to learn money. So he has a, a purse that he has the milk and bread money in, so he needs to keep that money updated all the time. And so he goes in and gets the bread and milk himself. Well, The milk that we get is on one of the higher shelves, So what he was doing, unbeknown to me, is that he was sort of standing on the shelf or the fellow was leaving a stool there for him to get the milk down. And the first time he did it, the the owner sort of came out and was sort of looking, you know, looking for a parent. And I was just sitting in the car and I sort of waved and he sort of waved anyway. He was sort of looking quizzically. And I sort of went and said, look, you know, this is Riley. And he goes, oh, he's, you know, he's getting the bread and milk. And I said, well, he, he is seven. And he goes, oh, he said, I thought he was only about five or... You know something like that so because he's a smaller stature people think that he's you know younger and so when you're progressing his independence and things like that he hits a barrier because people are asking him where's your mother and things and he sort of goes well i'm nine you know really i'm allowed to be here and do these things so he finds that very difficult that people are sort of, you know, oh, you don't look nine, or, well, you know, I am nine. <laughs> so he finds that, you know, a little bit difficult, you know, mm. now.
0: I just wanted to ask, what advice would you give other carers in your position or those who think they have a, a a child in their care might have FASD?
1: The first thing would be, like, if it's been diagnosed, otherwise you're talking to your doc or your paediatrician anyway. It all depends what you want to know. I think find out as much as you can but you need to you need to find out from a professional because when you go on to Mr Google there's a whole lot of stuff out there and you start sort of sometimes ramping up things or you know not really collecting information that you have now and this is where this FASD that's you know progressing across Australia is really really important and I'm really you know advocating for a parent space in that because one of the great things that happened i did a trial with with a psychology clinic that was um attached to dr heidi's clinic here and they came and did a parenting under pressure of uh, course so they came to your house and um typically i sort of said oh look i don't need this you know and they said oh darren explained to me he said look it's for you um other people are working with you know clinicians and professionals are working with riley we well, want to know how you feel about this. are the questions that you're sort of asking me now. So the benefit of that. One of the things that he, you know, sort of said is, do I feel that I am a bad parent? So it was really interesting being sort of like a nana parent. And I said, well, I don't think I, you know, I'm a bad parent. But I said, what I do understand. I said, parenting has really changed since, you know, since my, you know, girls were, for, were small. But what we were able to do, which was just gold to me. To be able to talk to him about something that had happened in the week at school or in the house or whatever and be able to just unpack that and say, okay, well, not only for Riley, for you, how would you, what's the best way for you to look at that or, or what would you say? Because sometimes, you know, I would be coming at a defensive, you know, stand from it. Yeah. So I would talk to people defensively about it. And he goes, well, you wouldn't have to be defensive. What about if you, you know, saw it this way? So those conversations about something that was really real and, you know, something that had happened in this last week was just like gold. And, um,
0: so would you say having a professional on hand to to help you understand some of these issues was really helpful in understanding yes, your fast and all that? Yeah, it's
1: not a, he's not a paediatrician. But to be able to just talk around those, you know, conversations. I'm, you know, I'm single, so you don't have anyone else to sort of, you know, talk to. Even in talking with family, if people really don't understand what this is, you know, some people sort of go, well, you know, he's being naughty or he should be doing this or he should be able to, you know, ride a bike. Like he's learning to ride a bike, you know, at night because he wouldn't hop on it because he wanted to go on a bike straight away because he had it worked out in his head that this is what you've done. He watched other kids and he thought when he hopped on a bike, that's what should happen with him. And so to not be able to do that, no, I don't want to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. I don't want to skateboard because I'm not doing it like I see other kids do it.
0: And that's that's frustrating for
1: a right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It mm-hmm. would
0: be frustrating for anyone, really. No,
1: for anyone, yes. So to put, you know, three or four actions into one movement or, or, or be able to sort of like, okay, you've got to sit on the bike, yeah. you know, where are your legs? Are your feet going to do this? But then you know you've got to put your hands on the handle so that's going to be searing it mm-hmm. but then if you wobble well it's going to go left so how do you do right mm. all of a sudden that is too much information he he just says i can't do it or even like when i go through the list i go start to go okay well you know i do four things some mornings he just goes don't do it like that i can't do it just tell me one thing yeah and i'll do it so that series of things that he needs to learn is is very very difficult sometimes mm. But if he's understood, like in math or English, if he's understood the the primary part of it, of, of why he's doing it and he sees a pattern or he sees a reason for doing it, then he will add the other things to that. But in an education sense, that is very difficult for teachers because they've got lessons that they've got planned, hmm. so don't have the time or can't go back and you know do that sort of slower learning. The other thing is that Riley doesn't like to be timed anything that he feels he's timed and under pressure he will just say no to. When he first started writing he felt that he should write you know we type out on a piece of paper he felt that he should write like that because reading hmm. that's the writing that he saw. So when he started doing all of these letters that were going wrong and things I can't do it I'm not going to do it. So when you talked with him he said, I can't write like that So he had to go back and no no you don't have to write like that. So even if you take, there's a are so saying, you know, go between the blue and the yellow and, you know, have your script like this. And I was saying, you know what, buddy, you don't have to. If you take up all those pages, we'll just get another book. So it's that sort of, you know, thing around it. and sort of being able to have those conversations, you know, with the teachers. So sometimes if he's really upset in the morning, you know, sometimes I'll just email the teacher and say, look, we've had a bit of a rocky road this morning. He may not want to sit down or... The other interesting thing um, that he does, and once again, you know, is it FASD? Or he He likes things in his hands for security, always has. And uh, so he always wants to take something, you know, to school or, or have in his hands. So and that helps him? Yeah, so when he does that, he concentrates. You think, oh, well, fiddling with your hands with something would take away your attention. So if a teacher or somebody saying, look, I'm talking to you, you know, don't fidget. Or if you ask him what you've said, he'll tell you what you've said because doing that little mechanism is good for him to be able to listen, which for you and I would sort of go, oh, gee, I couldn't get away with that at school. It sounds you know? very counterintuitive,
0: kind yes, of. Course. Yes, But it works for Riley.
1: Yes. So, you know, talking to other, you know, sort of parents and, and grandparents and carers, your journey's your own you know, it, it, it's, what is good for somebody else may not be good for you, it's, it's know your child. You know, I think that's the most important. And, and trust your child, talk to your child about what they think, even if they're, you know, in the middle of a really angry thing, you know, why are you angry or what could I have done for you not to get angry? Because Riley will say sometimes, because I want things done over the morning, I'm talking about mornings probably more than any other time, but if I need to get out the door and go to work, he just finds that pressure. He just can't do it. So I've got a back up on the adult. So I've got a back up on that and sort of go, OK, well, I need to do, you know, all of these things. But your journey is your own. <clears throat> so I can't speak highly enough of, of, of keeping in with you, your professionals because, to me, there's greater... I need greater understanding because he's getting more understanding. Yeah. You know, getting older, and I'm finding that setting up those... Or being able to give him knowledge and tools around, you know, what he needs. But Dr. Heidi said, mm. you know, earlier on, look, he may need, you know, to write things down or, you know, have a phone yep. where he can just put you put a timer on his phone for things mm. or, you know, take your, your library books today or things like that. But because he loves library, he remembers library days. You know, but there's other days that he has to do that he will not remember because he doesn't have a hook-in for that day. It it doesn't, you know, and and that, you know, is that a normal kid or is it... But the teacher could remind him the day before, but he still, you know, doesn't do it. And around his work, I have got the same workbooks. i bought the same workbooks as he does at school. Mm. So I go through those with him as well or sometimes before or sometimes after so that he's learning them in where he's comfortable and you've got time but I've also got time and this is nothing against teachers with this because they don't have time but being an educator myself I will actually teach him in a different way so some things that he was learning even you know maths I would sort of go into a game show and I'm going this is Riley's game show and today we're going to ask five questions so question number one so I would go into that, so turn it into a game show that it was something a little bit fun and, you know, he'd say, oh, can I go and get, you know, such and such, you know, the bears and sit them up there and they're going mm-hmm. to be the audience and things oh. like that. So all of a sudden he had a different mindset on the on the learning. So there's other things that I know as an educationalist how to do that. So, yeah, so that's sort of been, that's been good. But it's, you know, as I say, the journey is still really, really difficult and, this is where, you know, having this and having knowledge and just being able to talk to people and say, look, really relax, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't, you know, talk to someone. Talk to someone about, you know, talk to your child or get somebody else to have a yarn, you know, with your child. Because mm-hmm. Riley, being a boy, I've got my daughter's um, partner, he, you know, he's one that's taught him to ride and, mm-hmm. you know, goes skateboarding and somebody else takes him fishing and things like that. So all of those you know, things of getting him out and then doing these other
0: things are really, really important. Well, that's, uh, that's all the questions I have for you today. Um, I'd like to thank you for sharing your experiences. you You're and, R- And I wish you and Riley all the best for the thank future. You. Thanks.
1: Thank oh, thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality. Please come back next week for the next episode of Our Little Podcast. Any questions about today's episode, then please check the links in the show notes for more information. Pregnancy and Alcohol, The Surprising Reality, was brought to you by Kurt Lewis and NoFASD Australia. All rights reserved. For more information about NoFASD, then go to www.nofasd.org.au.